We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. Hello and welcome to Novel Feelings, a podcast where we discuss representations of mental health issues in fiction novels. My name is Elise and I am one of our co-hosts. Welcome to what is a quick review or mini review for A Court of Silver Flames, the latest book in the Court of Thorns and Roses series. Unlike our usual episodes today, it is just me. So in case you're wondering where Priscilla is, she unfortunately is not up to date with the book series. So we thought it would just be appropriate for me to do a solo review today. So this book just came out a couple of weeks ago. So in case you didn't know already, we actually covered A Court of Mist and Fury back in season one, and we received some really nice feedback about that. So we thought we wanted to explore the new book in the series as a bit of a follow-up. This story is all about the healing journey of a character through PTSD, but a different character to that original book with quite different experiences. In case you don't know who I am and you're joining us for the first time, I am a psychologist and a big book nerd. So alongside my co-host Priscilla, we release a number of episodes about mental health issues in fiction novels. And season one of our book reviews is out now, and we've been doing a few bonus episodes before we start season two. So about today, just a quick note that this will be a little bit of a spoiler discussion, but I won't be recapping the whole plot. Instead, I'm going to cover the trauma aspects, so the content about PTSD, which is the main focus of this from a mental health perspective, and I will be giving a quick review of the book as well as some of my overall thoughts. Now, a couple of disclaimers before I jump in. So first of all, this podcast should not be taken as therapeutic advice. And I'm speaking today as a psychologist and a book lover, not necessarily as a person with lived experience of what's covered in the book. So I recognize that my voice is limited this way. So a quick summary of this book. A Court of Silver Flames is the latest novel in the Court of Thorns and Roses series, also known as Akatar, and picks up several months after the events of the novella, which is called A Court of Frost and Starlight. This is a book by Sarah J. Maas, who is a number one New York Times bestselling author of the Throne of Glass series and the Court of Thorns and Roses series, and most recently, Crescent City, House of Earth and Blood. So a quick synopsis about this book. Nesta Archeron has always been prickly proud, swift to anger, and slow to forgive. And ever since being forced into the cauldron and becoming high fate against her will, she struggled to find a place for herself within the strange, deadly world she inhabits. Worse, she can't seem to move past the horrors of the war with Highburn and all she lost in it. The one person who ignites her temper more than any other is Cassian, the battle-scarred warrior whose position in Resand and Feyre's night court keeps him constantly in Nesta's orbit. But her temper isn't the only thing Cassian ignites. The fire between them is undeniable and only burns hotter as they're forced into close quarters with each other. Meanwhile, the treacherous human queens who return to the continent during the last war have forged a dangerous new alliance threatening the fragile peace that has settled over the realms. And the key to halting them might very well rely on Cassian and Nesta facing their haunting pass. Against the sweeping backdrop of a world seared by war and plagued with uncertainty, Nesta and Cassian battle monsters from within and without as they search for acceptance and healing in each other's arms. Just a couple of quick content notes for this episode. So some of the content I'll be talking about includes trauma, depression and low self-esteem, unhealthy coping skills, including use of alcohol, suicidal ideation, and some discussion around sexual assault and some discussion around the sexual content of this book. All right, let's start the review. 
So first of all, let's talk about trauma. In case you don't know, post-traumatic stress disorder, aka PTSD, is a particular set of reactions that can develop in people who've been through a traumatic event which threaten their life or safety or the life or safety of others around them. Anyone can develop PTSD after a traumatic event, although not everyone does and it's certainly no personal failing if you do develop it. PTSD has a variety of symptoms affiliated with it and there isn't just one way to experience PTSD. So some of the core symptoms include re-experiencing symptoms. So this is when memories have kind of struggled to be processed in the brain in the way that they normally would. So certain events or words, objects or items or thought processes can actually trigger memories that have been affiliated with the event but haven't been stored properly and it feels like re-experiencing the event itself. This commonly happens through flashbacks or nightmares and can be really extremely distressing. We also have cognitive symptoms, so thought-based symptoms. So this is all about how you think about the event yourself and the future, about your interpretations and how the event itself has shaped your thought processes. And we also have physical symptoms and hyperarousal. So what this means is your body is kind of on edge or waiting for danger and preparing itself for danger. Feeling very anxious, jittery, having difficulty sleeping and a range of other physical symptoms that occur. And in real life, aka not in a fantasy setting like Prithian, I would be suggesting trying psychological treatments, aka therapy, as this is known to be very effective for treating PTSD. But it is also something I would recommend treating quite holistically. So making changes in day-to-day life and doing a variety of things outside of the therapy session in order to aid recovery and getting back to normal, whatever your normal might look like. Nesta is pretty much certainly experiencing PTSD in this book. Interestingly, an earlier book in the series, A Court of Mist and Fury, which we covered in season one, also featured a character with PTSD. However, that character was Feyre, Nesta's sister. So I wanted to briefly talk about how Nesta's experience of PTSD was different from Feyre's. So first of all, in terms of those re-experiencing symptoms, Feyre experiences a lot of nightmares and flashbacks, and those are triggered in a few ways, such as the color red. Nesta, however, with her story, There's less of an emphasis on nightmares, but they're still there. And certainly there is emphasis on flashbacks. So in this case, for example, they are triggered by things such as fire and the crackling noise, which reminds her of the traumatic experiences. Another key area of PTSD is the cognitive area. So the thought processes, as well as the emotional things that might be going on. So in Akamath, Feyre did experience a lot of negative thoughts about herself, guilt and self-blame, worry about the future and feeling that she's broken and can't be fixed. She also had a lack of interest in previous activities and a lot of emptiness and sadness and very sadly a desire to not be alive. Nesta however experiences a different set of thoughts. So first of all we get the belief that she's a monster so she talks about feeling that she's born wrong and actually not deserving of the love of others. She blames herself for a series of traumatic events that have triggered her symptoms and her experiences. She also experiences really significant rage and anger throughout the book. She says at one point that she didn't remember a time when she hadn't been angry. And we get a lot of thought processes as well along similar lines. So it's clear that Nesta really doesn't like herself through a lot of this story. She says at one point, I am worthless and I am nothing. I hate everything that I am. And when it comes to how she feels about the traumatic experiences, she says at one point, I can't fix it. I can't fix that he, her father, is dead. 
I can't fix what I said to Feyre. I can't fix any of the horrible things that I've done. I can't fix me. And similar to Feyre, Nesta feels a desire to not be alive. But this is alongside this desire to escape from what's going on. Nesta tends to be trying to distract herself a lot, to be constantly doing something. So we get a real window into how Nesta is coping by doing things such as drinking in bars, gambling, and having sex with strangers as well. She's also self-isolating, so choosing to live quite far away from her family and lashing out when they do try to reach out with her. To contrast, Feyre, when she was at the peak of her PTSD, was showing what we call more internalizing symptoms. So tended to get lost in her own head, withdrawing, not engaging in things that used to give her pleasure, such as painting. A lot of her pain was very much on the inside. Nesta tends to be engaging in these externalizing behaviors. So that means going out and doing something that might be you know, seen as acting out in a way in order to cope with her inner turmoil. I will note though that it didn't seem to be that uh, she was experiencing an addiction to alcohol. Um, alcohol was seen as being more of the coping mechanism, so a way of temporarily escaping from the pain by causing a different state of consciousness that was more pleasant than being in her own sober mind. It's very possible to have an unhealthy relationship with alcohol without having a substance use disorder. And I will also flag here that I don't have any concerns about people um, you know, having casual sex. But in this case, Nesta, it, it seemed to be not so healthy for her. So it was a way of escaping and feeling something different. So I don't think that was probably the best thing for her to be engaging in when she was in quite a fragile state of mind. We see quite similar physical symptoms between the two. Both, while at the peak of their PTSD, were feeling chronically stressed, having no appetite, quite significant weight loss, However, Feyre, we got more of a sense of um, vomiting that was happening for her uh, quite often in the middle of the night and associated with flashbacks. And I don't think we were really getting a sense of that happening for Nesta. But there was a bit more of an emphasis on the lack of appetite. As she said, it was the first thing to go after the battle. So interestingly, Nesta is certainly experiencing PTSD in this book, but it's less of a, I suppose, socially acceptable or socially understood presentation. And her recovery is much less linear than Feyre's was. So in fact, despite her traumatic experiences, Nesta seemed to be coping okay during the third book, A Court of Wings and Ruin, which was the book that followed um, one particular traumatic event when she was turned high Faye against her will. There was a quote in one of the early chapters that says, Nesta had managed had stepped into this world with these people and started to see it, a future, until she'd been hunted down by the King of Highburn and the Cauldron, until she'd realised that everyone she cared for would be used to hurt her, break her, trap her, until the last battle when she couldn't stop 1,000 Illyrians from dying and had instead been able to save only one. So one question might come up here as, why was Nesta's experience of PTSD quite different to Feyre's? I suppose there are quite a few different reasons and they really come back to first of all things that have happened to Nesta earlier in her life as well as the current situation that might be perpetuating her PTSD at the start of the book. So in terms of early experiences as Sarah J Maas said in the Australian virtual tour event that I attended Nesta has always kind of hated herself. She had a bit of a different upbringing to Feyre, even though they were within the same house. So her relationship with her mother was quite different and that seemed to impact quite significantly on her personality and her expectations for the world that she was in. 
Nesta also experienced different traumas to what Feyre did, and multiple traumas as well. So ones that were mentioned in the story included an attempted sexual assault by Thomas, who was a human man that Nesta knew, as well as being forcibly turned Fae in the cauldron at the end of A Court of Mist and Fury, and as was a bit of a trigger for her experiences in this story, Nesta's father dying during the war and not being able to save more Illyrians during the war. Also worth contrasting that when Feyre was experiencing PTSD in A Court of Mist and Fury, her experiences were very much perpetuated by the fact that she was in an abusive relationship at the time with the character Tamlin. So she was not very well supported by the environment that she was in. And by getting out of that environment, realizing how unhealthy it was in retrospect, Pharaoh was welcomed into the night court and developed that relationship with Resand and his inner circle, developed friendships and got a sense of purpose and felt safe quite quickly. And this really aided her recovery over time. Nesta, however, didn't really have that type of trust in community around her at the start of this book. And this was tricky because Nesta's PTSD and her experiences led her to push people away and run from any kind of intimacy throughout this book. However, connection was something that she really needed in order to aid her recovery. Both experiences of PTSD are completely valid and certainly can happen in real life. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. So then we get the experience of Nesta's healing journey. The inner circle decided to lead an intervention, which was really a catalyst for Nesta to start making some changes in her life. And this was really confrontational for Nesta, and she had a very low motivation to change at the start. So interventions are always tricky. Nesta was initially very reluctant and felt quite forced into this. Nesta's healing process was also quite non-linear. It definitely wasn't a case of a gentle easing of symptoms over time. There were setbacks, there were lapses or relapses along the way. The key things that Nesta engaged in that seemed to help included physical training, so strengthening and growing confidence in her own body, finding connections, so primarily with Gwyn and Emery, two of the new characters or reasonably new characters in this story and the friendship that forms throughout this novel. Mind stilling. This is described as a Valkyrie technique, so a technique that these warriors used to use. So mind stilling is described as a series of breathing exercises and exercises to still the mind. It's pretty obvious that Sarah J Maas has borrowed this idea from breathing techniques and mindfulness meditations. So she actually mentions uh, a very well-known app called the Headspace app in her acknowledgements within this book. 
So this is described as requiring constant practice and is very difficult at the start and involves inhaling and exhaling and trying to keep one's mind focused on the present moment. As I'm sure many people know, mindfulness has been all the rage for a long time, but it's actually a really effective technique that I've certainly used with a lot of my clients in practice and have tried and, you know, sometimes failed to implement in my own life as well. So I thought it was really nice to see that the author was putting something in there that did have that clear relationship to uh, a therapeutic technique in real life, because unfortunately there aren't any fay therapists in this world or at least none that are accessible to Nesta. So that was really great to see something like that from real life coming into this story. And eventually starting to challenge some of those thought processes. There is a point where she has um, a breakdown during a hike and finally says some of these dark beliefs out loud, including how she perceives herself to be a failure and not deserving of love. Eventually she starts to work through these beliefs. So coming to terms with her father's death and moving away from blaming herself for some of these experiences that have happened and her relationship with Cassie. And so this is obviously a core theme throughout this book is the romance that she has with Cassie. So Cassie is, I suppose, a, a trainer or a mentor to Nesta at first that eventually develops into a friendship. Then I suppose friends with benefits and then Eventually, we learn that they are mates and that they do, I suppose, develop these deeper feelings for one another. Nesta initially thinks that she doesn't deserve Cassian. So even though they have this kind of um, fiery relationship, she stops herself from feeling intimacy and from being vulnerable around Cassian and doesn't let herself acknowledge her feelings for him as they start to grow. So initially, their connection is very physical. Over time, though, we do get more of a sense of an emotional connection between the two and that intimacy and vulnerability. I will also note how the Fae around Nesta supported her. I think the inner circle were at a bit of a loss regarding how to best support Nesta during this time. Their society doesn't have the same resources and messaging around mental health as our world does. Not that our world is perfect, of course. So generally, we're taught that when someone is hurtful towards you or your loved ones, you should set boundaries and stay away from them. But it's trickier when a person you love is the person who's hurting you and seemingly doesn't want help and is pushing you away. I can understand why they tried initially to give her time to come to terms with things that had happened. And a person needs to be ready to work through their own issues. But unfortunately, Nesta wasn't quite getting to that point on her own. And there probably isn't a perfect way to approach the situation. The pathway they put it on eventually helped, although there probably were some ways that they could have made it smoother for her instead of being quite so tough love, or some things that they could have tried in the meantime without jumping immediately to the intervention that they had and forcing her into the house of wind and so on. One thing I did really like though was Amran's advice to Cassian to keep reaching out his hand. And I think this was a really important message. I'm really glad that Cassian kept trying to connect, even though he became frustrated at times and certainly said some hurtful things along the way. Cassian, though, did have a lot of empathy for Nesta's situation. So Cassian had also been through trauma and it had taken him years to recover. So there's one point where he says, I'm going to tell you that it is not too late, not for any of it. And I can't tell you when or how, but it will get better. What you feel, this guilt and pain and self-loathing, you will get through it, but only if you're willing to fight. Only if you're willing to face it and embrace it and walk through it to emerge on the other side of it. And maybe you will still feel that tinge of pain, but there is another side, a better side. And I think that this really highlights how 
lived experience and surrounding yourself with people who get it can be so important to recovery, to feel not so alone and to learn from what other people have learned through similar experiences, I think can be really valuable. Overall, this was a pretty accurate depiction of what PTSD can be like. It doesn't shy away from the challenges and the dark aspects of PTSD. And it's a good companion to A Court of Mist and Fury with Feyre's journey. Sarah J Maas has been speaking more openly about her own experiences with mental health and positive experiences with therapy and medication. So in the virtual tour event, the author highlighted the parallels between Nesta's journey and her own journey. So Sarah J Maas talked about her own experiences with anxiety and depression and panic attacks, what therapy was like for her, how she herself has used coping skills and self-care, such as breathing techniques and physical exercise to help her. And of course, these made it onto the page in A Court of Silver Flames. She also talked about how she originally felt that seeking help was a sign of weakness, but eventually came to understand the importance of getting help, being vulnerable, and not feeling that you need to manage your mental health challenges on your own. And I really loved how we were able to see that journey for Nesta, even though it wasn't linear and it wasn't easy, how she could come from a very dark place to a place that is a lot healthier. I think this journey sets Nesta up for not necessarily a happy ending, but a happier present than what she was experiencing at the start of the book. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. Overall, I really enjoyed this read, and I think it might be the second best in the series, probably after A Court of Mist and Fury. I really enjoyed Nesta's journey. I thought that the author treated her with a lot of empathy, and her journey felt quite raw and believable. And I found this journey to be quite emotional. Um, It definitely hit me hard (laughs) at times. And I also think this book did really well at portraying characters with empathy without excusing their actions. It took Nesta a long time to start to change her behavior as she grappled with her inner demons, and it wasn't smooth sailing. It was definitely complicated. I really enjoyed the friendships in this book as well, so the new characters, Gwyn and Emery, I thought were great. I really enjoyed their journey to becoming Valkyries, and I enjoyed the blood rite as well. I also did like Nesta and Cassian's relationship and felt that they had good chemistry, and I liked their characters a lot individually, and I think that they build each other up in a really positive way. I will note, though, that you know it is quite a graphic book. Um, I personally felt the number of sex scenes were a bit much. At certain points, it felt like sex with plot instead of plot with sex. If you're into that, no judgment. For me, I think it's just a personal preference. I would have edited them down a bit to make the scenes um, a little bit more impactful when they did happen. Uh, the baby subplot was just okay. Um, I don't really want to go into that too much. I'm glad it wasn't the, the key focus of the book. I thought the action scenes were really well written. The bog scene in particular was really good. In the virtual tour, Sarah J Maas described finishing this scene as a mic drop moment, which I loved. Um, I love the House of Wind and it becomes its own character throughout the book. An overarching criticism I have is that this book was really similar in a structural way to A Court of Mist and Fury. It reminded me of, uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, The Force Awakens versus A New Hope. 
There were enough unique elements that I wasn't too bothered by this overall. And I'm still very curious to read the next book and learn what happens next. So particularly with some of the side characters who haven't had their own point of view really yet. Overall, I'll give this book four stars. And if you like this series, you're probably going to like this book. Just keep in mind it's firmly in new adult territory and maintain some of the flaws of the original series as well. So that wraps up my review. I also wanted to touch on what people with personal experience have been thinking about this story as well. So this is mostly through reading reviews and discussions on Reddit. So I haven't yet come across a formal book review from a, a book blogger or critic with lived experience. A lot of people seem to really relate to this story. Um, so I won't uh, say usernames or give direct quotes, but I will note that several people talked about finding the book very emotional and relatable. One user in particular talked about how they found this book to be very healing and actually spoke about it and read from this book in their own therapy sessions, which I love. Another user who has PTSD talked about uh, after reading this book, actually setting up a new exercise schedule for themselves, so getting that inspiration. Um, and a couple of people have talked about being inspired to try meditation again, so even trying the particular app that the author recommended. Multiple people have talked about the accuracy of PTSD compared to their experience in a positive way. So there was one user in particular who talked about how people with PTSD are not meek or fragile, and for some it is more about rage and sharpness and darkness, and also commented how in real life people tend to punish the behaviours without trying to help the person. So users with depression as well have commented about relating to these experiences, such as uh, the thought processes like feeling worthless or not feeling motivated to, to eat or to engage in other self-care. So overall, people with lived experience seem to be finding this book really relatable and interesting. And if you do have lived experience and you've read this, please send us a message because I would really like to hear about what you think. I will briefly mention what's going up on our website to accompany this episode. Some of the resources we will include are similar to what we included for our ACAMAF episode. So information about PTSD and getting support also include some information about how to help somebody who might be experiencing PTSD. That wraps up my solo episode, my mini review for today. And I assure you that Priscilla will be back for our next episode as part of our regular scheduled programming. So for all of the resources I've mentioned, please check out novelfeelings.com for our episode summary, links to further reading and information about getting support for you or someone you care about. If you like us, please remember to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to ask a question or just to chat, you can send a message via our website or social media on Twitter, Goodreads and Instagram at novel underscore feelings everywhere. And you can also find Priscilla's bookstagram at paid with books with an extra S. Thank you so much for listening to me talk to myself for this entire episode. I hope you found it as interesting to listen to as I found this book to read. And keep an eye out for our full reviews, which will be launching later in the year. Thanks, everybody. Bye.